Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You can't just, you know, believe or not accept that this guy is shite. You can't buy this bullshit anymore. I mean, he's been a manager for three years. You can't just let him come out and pretend that being outplayed by Aston Villa at home, having been given every player you asked for, is good enough. It can't yeah. keep happening. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Our house in the middle of our street. Our house in the middle of our... Bruno Fernandes is trying to put the ball in the spot. Emmy Martinez is out roaring something, pointing at the ball. But he's not looking at Bruno Fernandes. He's talking to someone behind him. The Man United players... They are getting very, very upset at this. Thankfully, it's only Fred that's over trying to pull any Martinez away and he's not having any luck with it. Martinez stands his ground, keeps pointing at the spot, keeps shouting behind Bruno Fernandes. Turns out he's shouting at Cristiano Ronaldo. Why don't you step up, big man? Why aren't you hitting the penalty? No, this is me guessing what he's saying. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Talk about emasculation of one man who does not want to be emasculated. And now he's putting more pressure on Bruno Fernandes. It should be Ronaldo hitting it. Step up, Ronnie. Are you not hitting this? You're going to let him hit it. What I didn't see coming after Bruno Fernandes blazed the ball over the bar, after Martinez actually read exactly where he was going as well, slightly to Bruno's left. I didn't see, and I probably should have seen it coming. Our goalkeeper proceeding to lift himself up off the ground, walk around his post, and begin to shag the Stratford end. <laughs> <laughs> my fucking goalkeeper. What a day. Some days are just better than others. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that, that game couldn't have ended any better. And it was looking so unfortunate for big Courtney up until the decision to let Fernandez hit the penalty. I mean, that was just the final flick of cream atop the cherry atop the cake and that that couldn't have gone any better for me it had everything i love to hate about that team Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's decision making skills laid bare and an actual reason for that moaning little arsehole Fernandez to have a cry <laughs> and i i don't care i don't care if you had a better penalty conversion rate never mind the fact that it's now fallen by five percent and they're 
a lot bloody closer in percentages. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's scored 139 penalties, and he's Cristiano Ronaldo. He has to hit the penalty. Whatever club he's playing for, he has to hit it. And I, I thought Fernand Martinez's belly would be full from eating Yerry Mina, and his sex drive would have been fulfilled from all the air shagging he did after the Copa America. <laughs> but that man is just insatiable. What a fucking hero. He, he honestly is. like I don't think I will ever bestow so much praise on somebody who didn't touch the ball you know, or, <laughs> like, I, I give him all the credit for like to talk about getting inside somebody's head like you think it's a difficult thing to do but it, it's not for him some people just have a knack for it and honestly it, it was it was just it was great justice you're right like to score in the 89th minute and then potentially have it taken away and then all the narratives that came with that one kick with Emmy Martinez with Bruno with Ronaldo with Solskjaer all wrapped inside a three-second act. It was it was beautiful and a beautiful way to win for the first time since two thousand and nine at Old Trafford. But they go there and dominate the match. Villa were by far the better team. Like, and again, I don't know why I'm surprised at this. Like, this is what happens. That we have we've said this loads of times. Not when Villa are playing United. When anybody's playing United, like this is what happens when a well-coached team plays an uncoached team. And now you know we all enjoyed the game because like you know styles make fights and. A puncher always has a chance and United can pack a hell of a punch from nowhere, but they're going to get battered and they're going to lose on points in every match. They just have to hope that they can you know, throw something that nobody's expecting. And they do a lot of the time because they do have a big hook on them. But, you know, Dean Smith, masterclass, great to see the away fans stay afterwards and the, the volume, like it was, it was loud enough at uh, Stamford Bridge in the middle of the week, but the volume of Dino, Dino, Dino ringing around and Villa are in a good place right now. Ah, the way Villa play is brilliant. I mean, the, the intent in the in the triangles and the one twos and the in the off the ball running, it's a fucking joy to watch. But and it is such high risk football. I mean, if if Ings or Watkins drops the ball off for Ramsey and it's just behind him, it's on yeah. his trailing foot, and Target has gone looping around. McGinn has gone bursting off off the other shoulder into the box. And Douglas Louise is your defensive midfielder, then you're you're gonna cause yourself problems defensively, especially when you're faced with the second most expensively assembled squad of all time, and all they've been told to do is to wait for that mistake. It's high risk, but that's okay. That is what life is all about. Yeah. Risk taking is where you find the joy in life. It's where the exhilaration is. That's what gets the fucking heart pumping. It's where the fun is. And Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith has <laughs> never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. I mean, he was he, he was the first across that void, that parted sea, the divide between the boys and the girls in the school disco. And fucking chest out, cock out, walking over. And Saucer's just in the fucking corner getting wedged. <laughs> By John Terry. <laughs> Uh, you miss John Terry all the same, don't you? <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about another hero, another guy who, even if he's not walking across that divide, he d- he deserves somebody to walk across and and ask him to come dance with him. Courtney <laughs> House, Co- Mister Courtney House, like you know, he put out a tweet after the Chelsea match. He was immense against Chelsea when Lukaku came on. It was like he went up another step as well, thinking this is a big chance for me now to show. Show me worth and like it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And he put out a tweet afterwards and 
he said, like, I, I will never not be ready for this club. And it's like, this is the sort of, not just character that you want in your dressing room, but player. Like, he's got talent. The boy never lets Villa down. We, we complain about him missing those chances from set pieces. But, oh, my God. Like, this is how you use that big fucking 50p head of yours. <laughs> what a header. What And what sights? You know, Austin McPhee and Dean Smith losing their shit on the sideline. Like, McPhee is so invested in this. This is a whole other element now to the, the roller coaster that is Aston Villa. It's like... It's like we're getting more narratives. Like this, this series, this binge watchable series, is really like just coming into its own now. And I tell you what I love about that McPhee and Smith celebration. Not to take away from Howes, but a good leader, a proper leader, doesn't give two fucking twats about who gets the praise. Dean Smith gets enough praise, but he doesn't care if he doesn't get it. He wants to win matches. He wants the club to move forward. And he knows that it doesn't matter who we all credit. He'll still be in a job and he'll still be doing a better and better and better job every season if all these elements are coming together. And that's what a good leader does. He not just delegates, but he empowers people and he, he brings them all along underneath his overarching vision. And like that is just one example that you can see. This guy who's come in, idiots like talk sport, trying to have a little dig at Villa for bringing in a set-piece coach. And it is, it's not even night and day. It's like Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, how different Villa set pieces are now. And like, this one was a bit more of a classic, put the fucking thing in there. But it was, it was a great ball. And like, the delivery is so much better. They're, the positions are taken up and the box are so much better. Like, we actually won the corner because Mings, you know, went after a ball that might even getting away from him. They're more aggressive going after it. And how's running away from the ball, running away from the net, sorry, gets his head around the ball and puts it into the top corner basically. Yeah, I think it's it's not a it's not a fairly standard one. It's something they've been work, working on. I mean Tyrone Mings did exactly the same thing against Everton and caused an incredible save from Begovic. But what a fucking man. We are so lucky to have Courtney House as our fourth choice centre back. Like make all the social media videos about your performance in a Carabao Cup third round defeat as you want, Courtney. If you're gonna do that the next day. <laughs> <laughs> where the fuck have these Douglas Louise corners been our whole lives <laughs> I don't know like what was he trying before all this I, had a, do you remember, I remember there was a game that you you announced was oh come on down Douglas Louise it's your turn to hit the fucking corners now and he was just floating balls into the box they are arrowing into the box every yeah. time they leave his foot yeah. and with those three wrecking balls in there whether it's Courtney or Twanzebe we're going to do some fucking damage with those angles and those balls from Douglas Louise. It, it's like Douglas Louise is up in the second tier shooting down a cannonball into the box. <laughs> coming in with that trajectory and it's it's chaos in there. And the way Villa, like, initially, like I must admit, well, I'll admit two things. You mentioned that social media video that Courtney House made. <laughs> like, you know, I thought, oh, that's sweet. But also, ah, come on, come on, Courtney. Like, let's let's put together a second match as you say and you're right they can do that all he wants after two good games he can do whatever the fuck he wants now in my mind but uh but also for one of the corners earlier on Courtney was on top of De Gea and I thought yeah yeah that that's where they put him just just <laughs> just put him in there on top of De Gea making uses of himself and like De Gea starts freaking out when anybody's in his airspace <laughs> yeah De Gea was De Gea was so jittery today and he actually in the two United games I've seen Hasn't looked that bad, but Christ Almighty had a couple of cock-ups today and just general nervousness was just spread through the team and spread through the whole stadium. 
and Courtney House is exactly the man to take advantage of that. Well, all the Gunnar Solskjaer complained about Watkins being offside afterwards. Um, I mean, I thought that was okay because it wouldn't have put any United players off because Watkins was standing offside the whole match. <laughs> so we all knew where we stood there. Like, yeah, yeah, he's behind the line. Grand lets everybody else carry on with the play. And, you know, like, I, I can... Look, I can see why people would be aggrieved. He is, he's in front of the he's, he's definitely not blocking his eye line. It's one of those ones. You remember the, the McGinn goal against Arsenal? Or, yeah, it was McGinn. And they, they, they gave it for offside because Barkley was in the keeper's way. But you're like, the keeper wasn't going to do anything about that. And the same with the hair. Like, the, the, the ball came in from too close, too fast, too accurate. And, and I think we were also all complaining about Leicester's goals being disallowed against Brighton. Everybody was like, oh, that's a joke. A few days later, everyone's like, well, you know, if those goals were given, you can see why United would be aggrieved. It's like, do you want them given or not? And I don't think we want that one given, or am I just being a bit biased here? I think you are being biased. I mean, he's standing right in front of him, and he gives him a little nudge in the chest as well, even. I mean, you're right. It's it's going to go in the same way McGinn's is going to go in. I think I think this one is a lot more stark than that one. The, the other one, just Ross Barkley, God love him, just couldn't move five metres, so he couldn't get back onto an onside position but he's standing about eight yards from the goal and he's you know there's a big distance between him and the goalkeeper and the, i think you said at the time if that's offside then every goal that's ever been scored from outside the box is yeah. offside because there's just bodies in front of the goalkeeper but the courtney house's header is going in regardless of ollie Watkins stand there the head doesn't seem too perturbed like, you know, it's not like he's complaining or he's got his hand up. He's just looking at the ball and yeah. he moves for the ball afterwards. He can see it and it goes in. But if they change the rule to that, then he is offside. And if it had been ruled out, it would have been really annoying. And I probably would have been saying something completely different. But it's just fucking great. <laughs> yeah, you can be very classy now that you <laughs> Um, Now, uh, just before we finish the top of the show, we, we'll come back to Solskjaer and his comments about a certain someone um, earlier in the week. But apparently, he's always been saying that he wants more consistency in the team. You know, that that's one thing he wants at United. He has it. What's he talking about? <laughs> like the, the team go out. They have no plan. They usually get outplayed. And they usually rely on individual ability to either win the game or fuck it up for them. Like, he, he's got a perfectly consistent operation going on there. <laughs> Like, the results aren't consistent? No, they're not. But I don't think that's what he's trying to change, is he? Like, if he was, <laughs> surely he'd be doing something different. Well, yeah. I mean, who does he want consistency for? Is like all I'm asking for now. You're the manager! <laughs> this is your job. It's you that has to do this. This is exactly what your job is, is to make United's performances better week on week. <laughs> what the f- Who are you asking for here? Playing to fucking God. <laughs> Like the, the classic slagging that Solskjaer gets is he's a school teacher, and the, it does capture a really or conjure a really good image. It's it's funny, but it doesn't go far enough in capturing just how inept and hapless he is. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so fucking offensive to school teachers. Can you can you imagine how worried you'd be if you went to a parent teacher night and Solskjaer was your child's chemistry teacher? And it, <laughs> I don't mean for his education. I mean for his safety. You'd be coming away from that, turning to your partner and saying, get my Wayne out of that fucking school. It's going to blow up. 
Imagine, imagine him after you know one of the labs do blow up, and he's he's giving a press conference going, "Well, you know, we we just want more safety in there." <laughs> but he's always just sitting there in the stand as well, looking a big sour puss on his face, as if he's he's prepped this team as well as he could. Yeah. Well, they would stop going fucking behind if you'd prepped them in any way decently. Sitting there with his legs crossed and his arms folded, as if to say. That's my job done. What the fuck are you doing? Go out and react. You're being destroyed in this first half. And you're just sitting there pretending that you're annoyed so that everyone can see that this isn't your fault. The players aren't doing what you've asked them to do. They fucking have. You've asked them to got to hit them on the counter attack. That's it. That's what you've said. Let's let's play quick, progressive football. And that's what they're doing. They're getting hammered and then they're hitting United or hitting Villa on the break. You are so right to mention that counter-attack thing because there, there's more consistency. Um, the poor fans at Old Trafford, they, like, they're like they so conditioned now that they only come to life when United turn the ball over with a chance of a counter-attack. And, and now they're not even set up to play counter-attack. It's only Greenwood who's alive because now they have Pogba. They've, they had to drop Sancho to get McTominay and Fred in. And now they have Pogba <laughs> on the left who can, who, who's like, he's good for a counter-attack if he can look up and see these players running. But Ronaldo's not running. Bruno's not running from deep. Like Bruno, Bruno's a great mover when you, you've got a team pressed in. Greenwood is the only one like that's that's alive for those counter attacks. So the the one thing that gets Man United fans off their feet when they're being battered by every team who comes to Old Trafford is when they turn the ball over and the the other team has opened up. Oh, we've got a chance now. They've been stupid enough to open up. It's 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 sad stuff. And if you if you look at the consistency on the other side of the coin, like. I mean proper consistency now, like without joking. What Dean Smith has done at Aston Villa over the last four games is consistency. Villa lost to Chelsea 3-0, but everybody came away thinking, do you know what? Like we, we played really well there. We we scared Chelsea. A couple of mistakes cost us. And and nobody panicked. It was like if we can keep that going without like, you know, like a Paul Lambert style thing, like genuine. If we can keep that going, this will be good. Went to Everton, like swatted them aside, three 0 controlled performance. Went to Chelsea midweek, the second team, and they they dominated Chelsea. They should have like per, like Archer scored an amazing goal. He, he had two one on ones before that. Villa had a few more chances. Played so well, lost in penalties, and now they went over to United and and dominated them. And I, I maybe I was giving Solskjaer too much credit. I just thought there would be. A natural response after the break, like you know, Villa should have scored three goals at least in that first half. Like three definite goals should have been scored, and I thought United would come out with you know a, a bit more of an attitude and a bit more of intent. And the first eleven minutes, I think it was, the possession stats were seventy thirty to Aston Villa. Like United are hopeless. Everybody knows now they want the counter attack as well. So the worst teams. Are just sitting up deep, not letting them get a counter attack. They can just try and work themselves around them. And the better teams or the better coach teams with, with better players to work with, like Aston Villa, are just dominating the game. It's 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 ridiculous what's happening there. Yeah, it's it's utterly pathetic. And you touch on so many things that are right there. I mean, if you have got this game plan, then you have to play players to suit it. You have to be brave enough to play those players. You can't just throw Pogba out in the left wing and hope that he's going to counter attack. Paul Pogba is the antithesis of counter-attacking. He is the slowest moving player going forward. All he wants to do is slow the game down and do some incredible things with the ball. But he is not a counter-attacking player. 
Ronaldo is done at that type of game. That's not what he wants. He wants the game to be built up towards him so that he can score from two and a half yards out. Greenwood is brilliant at it, and Greenwood is going to be a brilliant forward. For any England fans, they just have to hope that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't survive much longer as the manager of Manchester United because Greenwood needs a manager in there. There was a stage there where Emmy Martinez was being booed during a lot of the second half. I mean, why were the Man United fans so keen for this game to get going again? <laughs> I mean, every time United plays one out for a goal kick, Martinez was being booed. I mean, we could only assume they wanted to give us as much time as possible to score a winner and expedite the inevitable sacking of Solskjaer. <laughs> All right, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed this game, and I am going to enjoy WhatsApp winches. <laughs> okay, let's do it. We'll start from the start in chronological order. Why are you backing off him? <laughs> that was bizarre. I assume this is the one Ronaldo had about four and a half minutes to have a shot. Yes, Ronaldo had a bad touch. Cristiano Ronaldo, let's just like qualify that first has a bad touch he's facing away from the goal has a uh, a shit enough second touch then realizes oh actually i can turn here meanwhile target and house are just drifting further further away from him ronaldo gets to about 23 meters out and has a bad shot thankfully yeah it was absolutely it was a dreadful shot as well i mean he rolled his foot over the top of the ball nearly and you're right it makes no sense because United weren't ever turning down those shots. No. That was United's fucking tactic. To get the ball within 25 yards, have a spank. So sure enough, all Villa was just go out and block it. It was so turgid from United. Did you see the stats that United had over 20 shots? Like, and this is the sort of tripe that's going to be regurgitated now by, you know, Solskjaer stands. <laughs> <laughs> Like, are they including shots that are blocked from one meter away? Because <laughs> they're not attempts. Like that's just giving the ball away. Yeah, and that's the, like whenever whenever a team has you under pressure, you know you feel it from watching the game. Yeah. And whenever a team is just drilling shots off Courtney House's thighs, no one gives a fuck. You don't feel like you're under pressure. It's a waste of time. It's last resort stuff from a team that's run out of ideas. It's like, I don't know how to get through this, even though Matt Target's asleep at left back. So I'm just going to have a spank. Yeah. Pathetic. It, it really uh, goes to show as well. We said Villa should have scored three goals in the first half. We're going to have some fun in the Rosenthal Award later on. But a stat flashed up during that first half towards the end of it. You know, United shots 11 or something like that, one on target. And I, th- I thought it really uh, showed how pointless those stats were when the most satisfying piece of commentary of all time, potentially, was at the end of that first half. So remember United had a couple of free kicks. Pogba died, had a free kick, led to a corner. You know, they had a bit of pressure in injury time. And uh, the commentator said, you know, Villa had like you know a couple of open nets, basically, and Watkins didn't uh, cash in on United giving the ball away. But United had a couple of chances of their own at the end of that first half as well, and I thought this is this is title contenders at Old Trafford, and he's just like it's it's basically what you would hear a Burnley playing against United. What should? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pathetic stuff, and one of those chances as well was the ball hitting off the top of Pogba's head unexpectedly and just drifting <laughs> wide as Ronaldo jumps into the air forlornly as it sails wide in the post. Second WhatsApp wind. 
Why is Douglas Louise doing the conga behind Pogba for that corner? <laughs> uh, do you know what the mad thing about that is? The fans started chanting the conga straight after. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a coincidence. I don't think they were all that smart and that tuned in. They start slagging Douglas Louise within a second of him just marshalling Pogba towards the ball. Pogba's watching the corner coming. He's going towards the front post now, and Douglas Louise has. I'm, I'm doing a dance here behind him. He has both hands on his hips, and he's just coming along behind him for the crack. It was amazing. It was, good. it was glorious to watch. It just. It would have been a lot more enjoyable. Was I not having flashbacks of the last time Douglas Louise was standing behind Paul Pogba in the Aston Villa box? <laughs> I didn't enjoy it as much as you. As much as you. Uh, third WhatsApp one. <sighs> The last thing Mike Dean needs was a fucking chewing gum. <laughs> you know, talk, like talk about an irritating personality as it is. Talk about an ego and now he's running around chewing gum during the match. Nah, nah, I'm not having this. <laughs> yeah, safe to say that Mike Dean can be added to the long list of bastards that are involved in English football. <laughs> what do you think of him today? Like... I, th- I thought there was a deliberate attempt from Villa, and I assume it came from Don Smith to schmooze him, butter him up. He just quite often, he saw McGinn before McGinn got pissed off of him. McGinn, Target, Mings especially, just, you know, over having a chat with him, laughing away. I, I think that might have been a a deliberate assault on Villa's part because, you know, we all knew what was happening in that game. Everybody knew that United were going to get their penalty. And <laughs> do you know what's what's mad? I went and looked, and I was trying to think, what, what bet did I put on here? I, I had a bet on United to score a penalty. It was less than three to one for them to score a penalty. <laughs> that is, that's insane. And the odds simply obviously weren't good enough to take for them getting a penalty that I had to go score a penalty. <laughs> that's incredible. I think he was he was generally fine. He got caught out with a few dives from Pogba. The one with Maguire, though, diving to rugby tackle, John McGinn on the halfway yeah. line to, to miss that was it was absolutely diabolical. That's just not forgivable. I mean, he's he's there. He's looking at it. He's the referee. He can't be missing that. That's that's unforgivable. That you should be demoted to the championship for a game for a decision that bad. And the you know the penalty look. That's what the rule is. We've all agreed on it to make the call. The Cavani is too close, and that the arm is perfectly natural for his body position is going to be too messy. And it's too big a call for the inept referees in the Premier League. If your arm's out, it's a penalty. That's fine. The ball's going to go through to Pogba to miss. You had to give it. But other than that, he got that big decision right. He got the Maguire one so wrong. It's unbelievable. Unforgivable is, is the right way to put that. Like He didn't even give a foul for that. <laughs> and I, that's, that's not that he missed that. He ignored that. And I do think... I think he was, he was generally better than I thought he would be, but there were a couple of times like Villa were pressing so well. There was one where he nicked the ball away from Fred and then nicked it away from Shaw, and they were through two on one. I think it was Cash and McGinn or something like that, and he gave a free to United. Like they were two of the cleanest tackles you could have seen. And again, just it's it's the attitude mostly that Mike Dean brings that that probably annoys players as well, and, and obviously fans when he's getting it so wrong and he's so sure of himself. And I I just think you would imagine somebody with such a big ego would like to stop being caught with stupid dives. You know, but he, he doesn't yeah. seem to address that. Like, that, that Pogba one with McGinn, like, you knew straight away because <laughs> I love to see Kanza balling out McGinn. Like, he was obviously like, what are you doing, man? We're 20 yards out. We've got enough players back. 
and McGinn was there screaming at him. I didn't touch him. And you can see it then. Pogba next to Bollaway throws his foot back, throws his chin back into there like he's got whiplash. And like a train <laughs> hit him from behind and falls over. And and Dean gives it and he's not hearing anything else. And ah, like he, he would just think that somebody who thinks of themselves that highly would want to not be duped so often. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he carries himself like that because he understands that as a referee, you have to have authority. But get your authority from being good at your job, exactly. not from being an arsehole. Dean Smith has authority. He's good at his job. It's not the same thing. They're not doing the same job. <laughs> Fourth WhatsApp wins. Stop giving it to house at the edge of the box. <laughs> Five times he was played the ball back at the edge of the box. <laughs> I love house for all the world in the world. And I actually took a WhatsApp win out because I didn't want to be picking on him after he won the bloody game for us. But it was basically, does he actually need an invitation to clear the ball? <laughs> because, you know, he, he just always delays it two seconds longer than he should. And that, that's always just the way he plays. The ball gets caught underneath him. And for some reason, Villa were not discriminating who was at the edge of the box. It was like, there's a Villa shirt in a good position. I'll keep playing with him, even though it keeps getting hacked back to me. Because <laughs> he's not going to open his body up. He's not going to take a shot. He's not going to thread a pass. He's Courtney Howes. Like, he's there. He wants to, he wants you to get it back out wide so he can get back inside and score <laughs> like he did. Oh, it was absolutely hilarious just to see him, that lumbering figure in the number 10 position. <laughs> and there was one, I'm pretty sure it was Danny Ings when he got it at the edge of the box on the flank. And he looked up and he saw it was Howes and he didn't want to play it. <laughs> but it's it's that classic dilemma. But do, do I do the wrong thing because it's to the wrong player or do I do the right thing despite the fact that it's to the wrong player yeah. it's a tough decision you have to make and to be honest I think whenever it's most of the time I would say keep doing the right thing you like you can't control the fact that that guy can't control the ball but whenever it's Courtney House in the number 10 position it supersedes it it does absolutely um I also took uh his wait for an invitation to clear it off because he only actually got caught once it's just you know, in real time, you're. It's always, it always just feels heart and mouth. You're like, kick the ball! Like, players are closing in on him and he's trying to scoop it out from underneath him. Um, only one time, Ronaldo got across the block and gave Villa a throw in. And talk about the sadness that has <laughs> descended upon Old Trafford. But that was the biggest cheer I heard of the day, probably second to the penalty. Like, Ronaldo got over and blocked somebody trying to clear the ball and gave Villa a throw in. They cleared the ball two seconds later and the theatre of dreams erupted. <laughs> we told you he can do it. He can play up there. <laughs> he's, he's run off the ball when United didn't have the ball for the first time in his life. And this is this is all United fans need now. This is all they're asking for. Anything to cheer about. Yeah, I mean, sorry, just to get back to it there, you said you took the Courtney House waiting for an invitation to clear the ball out of WhatsApp winges and then proceeded to mention it twice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you think this is. <laughs> all it is is you saying it on there so people can hear it. <laughs> but that was that was probably the highlight of the... Other than the way Villa played and how dangerous they were, the highlight of the first half was Man United fans getting excited about Ronaldo closing down a lumbering centre-half for the ball to go out for a throw-in. Fifth WhatsApp winch. 
Why can't Courtney Howes clear the... Nah, I'm only <laughs> Fifth WhatsApp wins. Oh, look who fucking shows his face at a Villa game for the first time this season. <laughs> and what a face it is. Oh, Boy, he looked upset. He looked upset when his hero was taken off, limped off the pitch. <laughs> but here's the other thing about that. Fair play to the Man United medical team because I don't know how they could tell that he was injured I mean did he look any less mobile to you <laughs> um, yeah like that's the thing like John McGinn got the ball around him and Harry Maguire foiled him during this period where he was injured um, and now uh, he looked to be moving better than, than normal then like he looked sharper than he normally would in that position <laughs> still give away a red card offence but you know <laughs> But he got he got both hands around John McGinn's waist, so fair play to him. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk a bit about Harry Maguire. Um, we say this so often on the podcast, and sometimes I wonder, are we? No, I, I sometimes wonder how this is going to come across because Maguire is playing for England and he is United captain, and people do love him. But you can't get away from it. And I don't feel like I need to clarify anymore. We said that he's a fine defender. He's very strong. He's excellent in there. But it is unbelievable how often this man has the ball knocked through him, knocked around him, or he just gives the ball away for a clear-cut chance. Or, you know, he drags somebody down for a red card offence. Every game, it seems, that he's doing something like this. And... Yeah, a lot of the time he might get away with it. A lot of the time Ronaldo might score two goals. Or Varane might come across for him. But every game the ball's knocked through his legs or just knocked around him and someone runs and he can't do anything. Like This elite defender can't cope with anybody running around him. Yeah, and this the thing is as well, it's the... It's the passing was the reason, the reason he was so important to England. Yeah. I mean, this is the fourth error... That he's made from dwaddling on the ball that should have led to a goal this season. This season, the season's yeah. just started, and but his stats are clean, so he gets away with it. So whenever Gary Neville's talking about it, whenever he flashes up the stats, errors leading to a goal. Maguire is currently on zero. Errors leading to what should have been a goal are fucking dreadful, though. Yeah, and the only thing, the only difference is, is that Watkins kicked the ball into the ground. That Che Adams kicked the ball straight at the hair. And Romelu Lukaku drilled one into the net whenever Tyrone Mings made the mistake. That's yeah. the difference. Maguire is just getting away with it and he's not being slaughtered as he should be. Like, that is such a good comparison to make, though, because that's the Monday Night Football stat that will come up before the next World Cup or whatever. Um, you know, Let's look at England's defenders, errors leading to goals. And like, if you just take, yeah, if you just take this first five games of the season, it might be six. It is six. Um, yeah, Tyrone Mings won because he gave the ball away. And Harry Maguire, none. <laughs> and Harry Maguire's way. And we are leaving out. So this is just from Harry Maguire being on the ball, in possession for Man United. <laughs> with Luke Shaw to his left, with Pogba ahead of him, Bruno Fernandes ahead of him, with Greenwood going in behind, with Cristiano Ronaldo up there. Like, this is just him on the ball. We're, we're ignoring, and everybody seemed to ignore the Newcastle goal was against Newcastle where he just came flying out in the centre circle, slides into nobody, the balls just nicked around him and away they go. And it's just happening over and over. The Wolves game, Varane, amazing block. Um, 
I don't even know who it was. Just Harry Maguire gets nutmegged to the box on that left centre-back position that he's in. Varane comes steaming across and Slay tackles the, the shot that's going in. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's through the roof, the amount of errors he's he's causing. And yeah, look, we, we probably talked about it enough, but it's, it's, it's genuinely just because he has that armband and he needs to be good. If, if that was Lindelof, United fans would be hounding him because they were all hounding him before he was given the armband and Neville started his shit. Everybody, everybody was on to him. They were thinking, mm, this is a bit dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but since he's got the armband, we're like, well, let's just look at the cold, hard stats at the end of the season, shall we? Yeah, like, and it, it, it is, they're right. They were right to think that it is dodgy to have someone that has to blast a foghorn whenever he's turning around. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great to have that lad in the middle of your defence. Um... Oh yeah, we forgot about Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> we just segued into Harry Maguire. Um, but like, yeah, we don't have enough or a lot to say about Southgate. But it is interesting that he hasn't gone to a Villa game. Not that I'm complaining because I was getting annoyed seeing his, his face at the Villa Park Stadium. But there are eight players starting for Aston Villa who are all from England. You think he would be a bit more interested in this really progressive team and maybe just interested in, in Dean Smith and then the coaching methods that they're bringing as well. Like, is, is he not interested in sharing information and, and finding out about these players who are either playing on their 21s as well or should be around the fringes of the team? But nah, like, you know, Matt Cash is now going to Poland and like, and I'm not saying that <laughs> that Southgate should be to blame for that, but there's a lot of like options there that he should be looking at, especially two bloody strikers up top. Well, like, he, he, he knows he can... You can have Mings and Watkins. They'll, they'll they'll be in and around the squad. That's fine. I don't think he has to watch them. He knows their quality. Matt Cash is his fifth best right back. He doesn't really care about that. He's, yeah. got, he's got plenty of options there. He knows he can't trust her own Mings, Conan, so don't worry about that. He doesn't need to see him. It is interesting that he isn't going to, to watch Konza a bit more, though, because he, Jesus Christ, thing could do with a centre half, and Konza is the answer. He's just there waiting to be plucked from relative obscurity. It's baffling. You said there will he not come and talk to Dean Smith or learn from Dean Smith tactically. Fucking grow up, mate. Do you think do you think Gareth Southgate is going to attempt any of the things that Dean Smith is attempting with his Aston Villa team? <laughs> that is so off the wall. You're talking shit. <laughs> I don't like how these WhatsApp windows have turned. I'm going to end that here. Uh, coming up, we've got awards to hand out. All these, right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. I mean, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it? It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. All right, award categories. Let's start handing out some. 
starting with Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award only one nomination, really only one winner has to be. Well, maybe two. Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, just a late addition, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Because <laughs> he was here, was he at the game? But um, it has to be Ronaldo, really. Like, I, he is at the stage now, like, you know, we've, I don't know. We don't. You don't have to say this. Like Twitter is affecting me too much. I'm, I was about to say we've been Ronaldo fans the whole way through. <laughs> like we, we said he was a good player throughout his career. Um, I need to yeah stop typing in Pessy into Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's my own issues. But he's the stage now where if he's not scoring goals, he's not doing anything. And like you can probably reconcile that. Like he's, he's still scoring goals, so it's still worth it. But United probably need more than that now that they should be operating at a higher standard and than just carrying somebody who's going to score goals against weaker teams and Villa aren't one of the weaker teams. But like it's, it's not a question of Ronaldo being carried. It's a question of Ronaldo being held back. I mean, with the talent that United have at their disposal, Ronaldo should just be another gem within that pack. He should be playing centre forward with all That's those fair. amazing players around them. It's not it's not that United can't can't afford Ronaldo. It's that they have a manager who doesn't who doesn't play yeah. good enough football to get take advantage of the fact that he has one of the greatest goal scorers of all time in his ranks. It's a waste of time yeah, Ronaldo no, being there. Sorry, actually you're completely right. I don't know what I'm thinking because I, I during that game I was trying to think of the difference of Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes playing for City and just how much more they'd enjoy it. You know they'd be on the ball more and like that. That's the thing. I'm judging Ronaldo now on a team that have less than fifty percent possession and they're being asked to to go for 10, 15 second attacks. You know let's just get the ball and go. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm I'm holding that I'm I'm holding that against a thirty six year old who needs to preserve his energy for all the. Like, you know, they play against Newcastle, like, you know, a team who <laughs> who are just going to outwill them in the fight to not have the ball. <laughs> and and then Ronaldo just springs to life and he electrifies Old Trafford and he, he can he can go over those 40 yards and be fucking exhilarating. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably harshly judging him because of how Solskjaer's asking him to play. Yeah, and it's not even it's not even the fact that he's 36. He's a, he's a centre forward. He's a number nine. If you're going to play him, then you have to, you have to play... You have to devise systems to work with a number nine. You can't just you can't just ask him to do the job or whatever the job Martial was supposed to be doing. You know, it's a completely different type of centre forward. So if you're playing him, you have to play a completely different type of way. It's madness that he's that he's just slotted into the system and United are still trying to counterattack. You said it already. Pogba on the left wing and Ronaldo at centre forward. And it's the same system of play that they had whenever it was Rashford and Martial. That's insanity. <laughs> the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. A lot of nominations here. I think I'll go through team by team. So we've got, got four for United, but I think he sort of shat on one of them already. I might as well get that out of the way. Pogba from the corner. You think that just hit off his head? I just thought, oh, that was close. Thank fuck that didn't drop in. Yeah, oh, sorry. It's definitely a Rossenthal nomination because he should be scoring, but he yeah, doesn't. Should be doing more than hitting off his head. Exactly, exactly. Uh, early one, very early. Bruno Fernandez, the half volley that he got, just inside the box on his left foot, and he just blazed it over. I just thought, oh, that's the wrong man for that ball to be bouncing to there. Um, and yeah, it was the wrong man for United in the end. He just skied it. It takes a good touch and sets up for the volley, which I assume is what he wanted to do, and he fucks it up. Mason Greenwood, um, 
pulling inside on his right. Ming's playing him on side. I was so pissed off to see that because I thought I thought this was going to get pulled back for the flag being up after the chance. And now Ming's just playing him on side and Greenwood comes back inside on his right and it's such a tame shot. Like that's uh, Bruno was inside as well, but Greenwood should be scoring there. He should be and he's right to take the shot, but that's coming back to the stats. That was their shot on target in that game and it was so pathetic. And Martinez drops himself to it so slowly and then just lies in the ball. It was pathetic. That was their one shot on target. And Bruno Fernandez, obviously, from the penalty. <laughs> Didn't even get that on target. <laughs> but, uh, you're 12 yards out, you want to be hitting the target at least. Yeah, like, why, why has he had it like that? Because yeah, fucking Fernand- uh, Martinez is inside his head. That's why. <laughs> He's worried about being shagged. He's just trying to get this whole thing over with. He doesn't want to be there, stationed down this man. He doesn't want to be eaten. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, I've got five nominations for Villa. They're signing the game, really. Big, big chances as well. Um, Matt, Matt Target. Like, I think Steve tweeted us, our, our friend from Limerick, big listener of the podcast, very early on, so we really appreciate his support. But Matt Target just has an open net. Like, Kai, like McGinn has played that ball. Uh, remember I said after Dougie played that ball against Everton to cash, where he forces him to run into that place. McGinn has done it to an even bigger extreme today because Cash isn't ready for it, but he's so sharp to react and he gets in behind Shaw and he does so well. I'm thinking pull it back, somebody's somebody's there on the outside, I'm not sure who it is. And he just delays it a second, has a, has another look around the box and plays it across and Target just what did, did we have this before with my target where he slides he, he slides into the ball instead of just scoring. And he slides and he, he blazes it over. Doesn't even hit the target. If it hits a target, it's a goal. It's an open net and he's missed. Yeah. I mean, you wanted to introduce a fine of a week's wages for whenever a player crosses the ball out for a goal kick. Yeah. What the fuck is the penalty for missing an open net when you're standing under the crossbar? <laughs> Hanging? <a> gas chamber? Yeah. <laughs> It's an absolute. It's an absolutely incredible pass from again. I mean, if Messi played that pass, Colin, yeah. the, the run, the run, and the cross from Cash are perfect, and the finish from Target is a scandal. It's, it's an arrestable offence. Yeah, the reason the reason I mentioned uh, Steve Wu actually before that was I assumed this was the one he was talking about when he said I think there's an easy winner. I thought I thought three of them were up for a nomination though, so like we might as well go through the other three from the first half or the other two from the first half. Like Ollie fucking Watkins, like this was a a Liverpool at Villa Park moment last year when Adrian gave the ball to Grealish, and here we are. Like <laughs> Maguire and De Gea have like you know conspired once more to give the ball away to a dangerous player in the United box, and it's just an awful finish. And it's all the time in the world to put it anywhere else to take it over to his left if he wants, and he just hit it straight at the head. Yeah, it was a dreadful attempt from a centre forward with that much time and that much space. Hits it to a a metre to the keeper's right on the ground, kind of hard. Shite. And especially as well because it's De Gea. When was the last time De Gea made a save of his hands? Yeah. Get the ball off the ground and that man's fucked. And another like very close run one. This is only the first half, but Ezri Kanza coming in. Our set piece master once more has has uh, put us in a position to score a goal from six yards out, and Kanza has headed it over like Pogba's just fallen behind him. And you know we come back to this. 
Kansas starts putting those goals away, he'll start being an England team probably, even though that's a, a higher bar than any of the other defenders, but that's seemingly the only way Southgate will take notice of him. Yeah, isn't this great? I mean, the last few weeks you've been adding missed place passes to this list, but <laughs> no, no need for that today. Yeah, it's it's another yet another unforgivable miss from from our boy Kanza. But the, not only am I annoyed that he's missed the sitter again, and Villa haven't gone a goal up, we also didn't get to see enough replays of Arnwan Basaka's decision to mark Kanza pitch side. Konza is goal side of Armand Basaka for about 10 seconds from a set piece. It's it's ridiculous. It's hilarious. But it only makes the miss worse. I mean, is, is Juan Basaka preparing for a counter-attack? Because he'd be equally fucking useless to United in that event. Well, in fairness, that is probably the only instruction before the game. <laughs> counter-attack. So Wambazaka's probably doing as he was asked. Like, in fairness, that, that's what I was getting at with uh, Louise doing the conga as well. He was in the outside of Pogba when he should have been in the inside. But um, but yeah, bad bad miss from Kanza. That's the score. Uh, into the second half. Ollie Watkins, less of a less of a Rosenthal miss, but a lovely pass from Douglas Louise, who was very good again today. Um, I, I just... I just cream over that pass. You know the one that goes on the inside of the defender to a player outside the defender? Mm. Um, so he whips it around. Um, I think it's Varane. And Watkins gets it on the left-hand side. And he he does actually really well. He cuts in, doesn't take the shot because he's about to be blocked down. And he, he carries over a bit further. And it's ah, De Gea bats it away. But at the start of that move as well, this is why I wanted to mention it, was just Danny Ings is mouthwater and flick into Douglas Louise like this yeah. Danny Ings is a tasty fucker like this guy <laughs> I, I just just obviously like we we complain about people not watching Villa matches just wasn't watching him enough at Southampton and he's just he's just a lovely ball player on top of anything else yeah he's a lot better than I thought he was and he's going to keep being that tasty he'd want to be careful around training with Emmy Martinez I mean like it is <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful back heel and, it's, and it, you're right there is an incredible pass from Dougie it's an absolutely dreadful first touch from Watkins to ruin yeah. it all. It just takes him too wide. And he does well after that to skip past a couple of, I nearly said tackles there, a couple of United players falling on their arse. And like the shot's grand, yeah. I mean, the head bats it away, you're right, but it could have been an unbelievable goal. Last nomination, uh, Jacob Ramsey, which was so bad that he pretended he was injured afterwards. <laughs> Oh, you know, a bit of misfortune, but like, I had the feeling that maybe he was on his heels a little bit. So when he was reacting, he slipped, and oh, like he slipped a second attempt trying to get back up, you know, to to react to his fall, and then he just lay there holding his leg. And I thought he genuinely had pulled a muscle. I text someone, I just wanted uh, someone to know how much Villa were battering United. You know, miss chance, miss chance, and then it was like, you know, Ramsey just a keeper to beat falls in his arse, pulls a muscle, thumbs up, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Suddenly, Ramsey's coming back onto the pitch, and I thought, ah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly what I would have expected from from uh, Jacob Ramsey, though, to be to be feigning injury there. I mean, I know his dad used to be a boxer, but it, did he used to box for Don King? Was he <laughs> was he throwing <laughs> fights left, right, and center? Like, what was he doing, pretending to be injured there? Just get up, like you fucked up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Was such it would have been an, another really nice goal because. On a second glance, Bundia is right to play the past to him, and it's all set up for 
for JJ just to bend it into the far corner and he fucks it up. <laughs> just just get up and start picking at your studs. That's the way to deal with that. <laughs> you know, look down at the pitch and you're fucking just pitch let me down again. Yeah, that's um, it. Has to be target though, right? Like that, that that is the classic case of harder to miss than score. You can't be standing under the crossbar and somehow get the ball over that crossbar. It's <laughs> unforgivable. Very close to the Matt Target Award after this week. <laughs> um, the Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Going man to man, um, the press of Aston Villa was brilliant. Like all over the pitch. There was at one stage I saw House, and I've, I've complained about Mings doing this before, where I see him drifting into the opposition half following a player Ronaldo had drifted into the United half and House was right up behind him and I was like what are you doing and then and he starts seeing how high Ramsey and McGinn are they're basically in the forward positions as well when De Gea has the ball and they're they're just all pressed up man on man all over the pitch and it worked against United because the only real problem was Mason Greenwood like that like with that system and at one stage in the first half Greenwood got away and it was McGinn who tracked him the whole way back and, and put an amazing block from behind uh, when Greenwood was through and got it on his left foot. And um, yeah, that really showed that Villa were tuned in. And, you know, when you only have that one crack then to worry about, then it's easier to manage. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're talking about playing Man United, this award can probably just be called We Had a Game Plan and Bamboozled Them. <laughs> I mean, the reason the reason the, green, the Greenwood was so effective as well was obviously because targets on that side Villa can afford to push up because most of their players are really fast Jacob Ramsey's fast Douglas Louise is fast enough but he's definitely covered by Jacob Ramsey and John McGinn who can be rapid across the ground particularly when he's got something to chase center halves are all really quick cash is really quick it's fine to do that Watkins and Ings will work like fucking dogs so pressing up is an option that Villa will always have and it worked to treat today you're right it leads into the second nomination for this award. Um, the wingbacks being so high. This was as high as I can remember them being since we introduced this system against Chelsea. Like they, it, This was the first time where I didn't feel like it was five at the back. It was, it was a very clear three. And, you know, like, like Target and Cash were further forward in the midfielders. You know, they, they were pushed right up um, and obviously still doing a lot of work to get back. But in a way, it just felt like that... That really trapped United as well. Like especially again, we, we mentioned Paul Pogba and and her, like Ronaldo and like they just they don't have that opportunity to really break then. Like those players aren't going to break anyway, but when the fullbacks are so high in Villa or controlling most of the game, United are just penned in and then the balls over the top are solely reliant on Greenwood. Yeah, and the Villa play a three five it's a free five two. That's the system the Villa are playing. I know there's different different iterations of that during during the game but that that's what the intent is that's how they want to play and the right to absolutely exploit the fact that Paul Pogba's there cash you get fucking going because he's not coming back with you it's Pogba or Fred that's chasing you you just keep going up that pitch don't you worry about that yeah. and if they turn the ball over you'll get back Fred's not going to be able to get the ball away that quickly it's grand and if he gets it away to Pogba he's going to stand on it for a couple of seconds and try to look cool it's fine <laughs> Has has Pogba ever taken a shot without, you know, having a bit of drama thirty seconds following it? It's it's like the reverse of Ronaldo. Like Ronaldo, you know, you've never seen a more exciting build up to someone hitting a twelve yard shot 
you know, Ronaldo just knows the cameras are on him and he, he makes out that this is a more difficult task than it is and there's way more jeopardy on the line. You know, his deep breaths, his stance, like like it means everything in the world. Like anything could happen. Pogba hits a hits a shot that was never going to go in and he falls to the ground and he his reactions afterwards, it, it's almost like he wants everyone to think that was way closer than what it actually was. <laughs> he wants everyone to think that the, the world conspired against him to make sure that he that he didn't score yeah of course he does but that's big that and that part of that is because Pogba knows how good he is at kicking a football he's just shite at the sport <laughs> um the it sort of like leads into a third nomination which was everybody being on red alert when Mason Greenwood gets the ball to his left foot I think the last couple of times he plays United we've gotten hurt by that left foot and probably annoying that you know like what are, what are we expecting like we know this guy can shift it quickly but it seemed like anytime Greenwood was cutting inside everybody in the Villa team were like you talked about United players throwing themselves over at the Watkins thing there were just players diving in the way in the background as well like you know Greenwood wasn't shooting half the time and you could just see these these white jerseys just sort of flying past the camera like <laughs> bodies just hurling themselves in the way for a shot that never came and Everybody was just panicked by that Greenwood, that vicious shot that causes so many keepers to make a mistake. Like, it's not a coincidence now that so many keepers parry the ball when Greenwood shoots because he's always just hitting it that quickly and, or sorry, with that much pace and that early. And I just thought maybe it's a very simple tactic to send your team out with, you know, but it was good that everybody got the message when Greenwood gets the ball and he's left, fucking wake up. Well, well, yeah, I think they were a little bit too awake and a little bit too keen to go down because Greenwood can shift that just as quickly onto his nearly as good right foot and just have a spank as well. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm surprised you would have this nominated for a, a successful tactic because Greenwood is absolutely deadly off both feet. He is going to be a brilliant footballer, as I've said already. I think I want to give this award anyway. I don't. I think this might be outside the the rules of the award, but I, I make the rules, so we'll say it's not. Um, it's just going to go to Austin McPhee in general, not for a specific um, thing, but just a, instead of a lifetime achievement, a season achievement so far, just for how much he's improved Aston Villa set pieces. And I, I did want to talk about the... Did you see the one in the first half where the ball came from right back? It was a free kick, and everybody had gone up. Mings was on the left-hand side of the box as, as you're facing the goals. And... Big long ball into like I guess Mings on Wambasaka, and Mings tries to flick it out to the wing, and he turns around. He is so annoyed at Jacob Ramsey, who looks a little dazed, it's like he didn't know what the plan was supposed to be for that. And it was good to see like the Villa players always turning around to to McPhee. He asked, "What are we doing for this one?" Obviously, they trust him now. Well, they, they must because like it's 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 just gone so much better than what it is. I don't know the percentages, but I'd say it's over a hundred percent better. And. Um, <laughs> So Mings tries to flick it out to the left, but what do you think happened there? So was Ramsey supposed to be further forward on the wing so Mings could flick it down to him, and then maybe Ramsey pull it back for a target cross? Like I just thought, like Ramsey was in a fine position, but Mings was annoyed. And then when they came in for a water break during somebody was injured, you could see McPhee sort of animated at him as well at Ramsey. This was a couple of minutes after. Yeah, it looks like Ramsey definitely should have been more advanced. I don't think the header from from Mings is right anyway. The other thing to say about that is, yeah, Ramsey, you're right. That was the set. I'd say Ramsey has to roll it back to target then for a whipped cross from a altered angle. But Mings is a, not exactly justified in being pissed off because although 
Ramsey should be there. He's not. So do something different now. There's no point. You can't play a pass and then complain that somebody isn't there. Check if he's there. I mean, yeah. you've, you've always got a couple of seconds to see what's on the pitch around you. You don't have to play it. And I know he's expecting him to be there, but check. Yeah, in fairness, that's like that old classic. It was a good cross, but nobody was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a stupid stupid decision then, wasn't it? But, um, but no, well done. Austin McPhee, you win the Tim Sherwood. He played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Uh, one nomination for the Ulek Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award taking Danny Ings off instead of Watkins and I, I did get the feeling that Danny Ings wasn't too happy about it either I think he was probably thinking me and not this chump <laughs> <laughs> and you know I love Watkins but it wasn't his day it wasn't his day but I don't think it was exactly Ings' day he did a couple of things right but he, the first half of the ball was bouncing off him he wasn't he wasn't in control of it he missed a couple of a couple of opportunities for Villa to have a proper attack were fucked up because of Danny Ings as well and if he was bringing on Buendia I would rather keep on Watkins no matter what his performance levels are like than push Danny Ings further forward so you're not giving Dean Smith his award no god no not after today <laughs> yeah that's fair um the Vyman meter going up Actually, we're going to have to like after the Everton game, and after this match now, we're just maybe we have to start being a bit pickier about how players go up on this or not because there's another. I'm seeing a big queue of players going up here. Uh, <laughs> the, the Matt Cash yet again, um, probably well, obviously went about it a bit quieter today because he didn't score a goal like he did against Everton. But like th- this boy is, um, he's he's just going from strength to strength in this system, like in. He's on his toes all the time. He's looking to get forward. I saw an interview with him during the week where he's talk- he scored one goal. And now he's talking about, like, you know, well, now that we're playing five at the back or five in midfield, it's you know, I need to get more goals and assists. And it's like our right back who had nothing, really, is now talking about getting his goals and assist numbers up, like uh, like you know, we would say Grealish needs to do. And now, like, Matt Cash is putting that pressure on himself, which I fucking love. And he, and geez, in fairness, he should have had an assist today. I'm saying he went about it quieter. But he's just, he's becoming so lethal for us now in attack. And we know that he's always been so dependable at the back. Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly set himself a high bar by saying he has to get his goals and assists up from zero. <laughs> no, his quote, what I love so much about it was, it was, it was an unfinished quote, but he said, I need to get as many goals and assists. <laughs> ah, that's better. Yeah, like it's like fucking hell. Listen to this boy. I need to get as many goals and assists. Brilliant. Great. Get Put him that in on a t-shirt, <laughs> and then send it to him at the end of the season if he doesn't fucking achieve it. <laughs> Going up, Emmy Martinez. We talked about him. Like what a hero. Let him eat whoever he wants. Let him shag the Stratford end. He is our goalkeeper. Um, going up, Ezra Conza. We talked about him. Just. Talk about going around your business quietly. Like, it is insane since the start of last season. This boy has just been unbelievably consistent just doing this job at the heart of defense. Like, you don't notice him half the time in such a good way. Like, he's so unbothered. He's never making a mistake. He's just done everything right. He's he's a, uh, he's probably my favorite player. Oh, he is mine and he has been for a while. He's just he's a different level and his attitude now this year as well. He knows he knows he's better than the centre forwards he's facing and he's he's telling them that. He's screaming at opposition fans, he's ah screaming in players' faces. He's an absolute beast. 
going up uh, Courtney Howes, obviously, but I, I actually, and I'm being serious, as the corner was being taken, I think there was a bit of a delay, and I added him onto the Vyman meter as all this build-up was happening. This is the 89th minute corner, and I put him up. Like, the, the tipping factor was before the goal. It was just because all the United players were struggling to move him out of the way. It it reminded me of, remember Rocky Three where he went to fight Hulk Hogan? <laughs> he was punching him, and he was... He was, he was trying to do the glove thing from at the start where he bring his hands down. He just couldn't move his hands. And he thought, holy fuck, like this guy is a rock. And like that was the presence of Courtney House in the in the middle of that United box. They couldn't do anything about the strength of the man. And then he just went and scored the goal and won the bloody game for us. He was brilliant and he, he deserves everything that's coming to him this afternoon on Twitter, as we know is so important to him. <laughs> Uh, finally, well, going on, probably Douglas Louise as well. He's, he's been brilliant. And the same with Tyrone Mings. Like, that's two games in a row now, which what we want to see from this man. Like, when he's good, he's good. And just keep that up. And you'll keep going up the Lyman meter, which matters more than the points on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only have one player going down again. Don't know if you like it. Same as last week, but Ollie Watkins, because the nature of the Lyman meter is about that. You know, that, that, that liking a player for everything he's given. And, like, you know, Watkins was at the ceiling of this all last season. Like, you know, he was probably my favourite player last season, outside of Greenish, obviously. But, yeah, this is this is probably the first game where I found myself being vocally frustrated at him. You know, like, like stop being offside. Like, the one where Ming should, or Ing should have had the penalty. Like, like he's offside. Like, he doesn't need to be offside. Just step back inside. And he was offside a lot of the game. And, uh, you know, I just I haven't had that experience during a, a villain match before with Ollie Watkins. I think you're right. Actually, I didn't I didn't even make that connection. It was the first time Ollie Watkins has ever annoyed me during the game. He wasn't good. He did a lot of things wrong. He missed the ball. Shot selection was poor. And yeah, get back onside. What are you doing offside so often? You don't need to be. It's grand. Just stand over beside Harry Maguire. You don't think you know, don't worry about the pace, it's fine. You'll get in behind. You don't need yeah. that extra yard. You can buy it by not making them. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick breather and then we'll come back with questions we can't answer. All right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Do you think Jurgen Klopp enjoys the hospitality in Solskjaer's head? <laughs> Oh, it's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't really have the energy and we certainly don't have the time to to attempt to recall every one of the what seems like 78 penalties that Man United have won. <laughs> Sorry, have been have been given over the last two years. And like, what I do know is that one limb was given because Fernandez did a jig on Kanza's calf. <laughs> I, I know that if, if Rashford had have dinked the ball past someone who swung widely for it, clipped it with the outside of their calf, and then booted Rashford to the ground, it wouldn't have been overturned, as happened with Trezeguet. And the yeah. other way to think about it is that Man United have had a front four of Rashford, Martial, Greenwood and Fernandez, so you would expect them to win penalties. I mean, they've only ever played counter-attack in football, so those fast players were given every opportunity to run at pace into the box. Bruno Fernandes is a diving arsehole, and Marcus Rashford has told us that Mourinho taught him how to dive, so it must yeah. actually be upsetting 
when those forces are no longer aligning to present the avalanche of penalties that they've benefited from over the last couple of years. But the, the actual thing that's really annoying about this is that it all stems from Solskjaer's annoyance that Ronaldo died three times and didn't get one penalty. Exactly. It's West Ham who should be annoyed here yeah. that he wasn't sent off for three bookable offences. Like, Cresswell feels his elbow from behind and Ronaldo throws himself forward. Ronaldo falls on top of Zuma. Ronaldo knocks the ball to Sufal's left and makes a beeline to the right for Sufal's thigh. All three are dives, creating contact, cheating. He's cheating and he's a moron for not knowing that the rules have changed and the bar has been raised. I had a United fan say to me, yeah, he's looking for the Sufal one, but what else could he do? He could look for the fucking ball. He could try to legitimately score. And if Sufal illegally stops him, he can get a penalty. Like diving, looking for it, creating contact are the worst things that are in the game. We all agree with that. Don't justify it because it was your team. We all need to be non-partisan about this if we want it to stop. The ironic thing is, is that Ronaldo would have gotten the last penalty if he didn't dive before he got anywhere near the contact. You know, like he, like the, the tackle was so late. Ronaldo knocked the ball past, he knocked it out of play. But if he had just kept running, he actually would have gotten tripped. And he just threw himself down before like the tackle was even made. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you sort of touched on it there. Like This is what I find so frustrating with today then when Solskjaer comes out afterwards and he's sort of smiling. Like, you know, saying, well, he was offside. You know, we're being screwed over yet again. I don't think there's going to be a thought in Solskjaer's head that my team were outplayed again. And this might be something with me and not a grand conspiracy against my team not getting penalties, even though they got another penalty today. Yeah, I, like, I don't want you to be giving anybody any ideas. No, I mean, this is the same as, you know, leave your leg in there. You're now saying just run into the tackle. So let's let's knock that in the head right away. <laughs> but uh, you're right. And that's the thing. But the, the really, really frustrating th- thing is that there's a huge cohort of United fans out there. And the in general, football fans are idiots and they'll just believe what their manager tells them, particularly if he scored a goal from a yard out in a cup final before. But you can't you can't just, you know, believe or not accept that this guy is shite. You can't buy this bullshit anymore. I mean, he's been a manager for three years. You can't just let him come out and pretend that being outplayed by Aston Villa at home, having been given every player you asked for, is good enough. It can't yeah. keep happening. And Ronaldo not getting the penalties he's died for. You can have as many of them as you want. Fernando's, Fernandez blazing over from 12 yards out in the last minute. You can have that as well. Watkins being offside, that's fine. That's that's two games, though. This is not This is a bigger problem than the last two games for Man United. Yeah, and it's it's never ending. I, I still can't believe, though, uh, I'm, I'm not even looking too much into how somebody holds himself. I just mean, like, of all the coaches and... And personalities at, at United right now, never mind the people who aren't at United. I can't believe that Solskjaer is the one leading them all. Like, he is the least. Like, if you lined all these people up, all these coaches, and, and even before you even knew about their experience or their <laughs> their competence, he would not be the person you say, right, you come, you're on top of all this, and I will we'll work down and we'll put people underneath you. It's, it's crazy. Like, imagine that in any other team where you have, you have somebody who really probably should be a, a four for fifth man. I don't know how much UC would be to you there, but if this is what you were working with, which is seemingly what United have decided they're doing, 
like you know you, you even look at him and michael carrick sitting alongside each other and think i bet he carrick has a better idea what to do here i bet he commands more respect like social you talked about fans or being idiots and soul charge sometimes just reminds me of some of the the worst most basic easily pulled apart stuff you would see on like twitter arguments or instagram arguments like it's it, it, not that he's just a fan he, he, he's an idiot like he has the mental capacity of a teenager like today he was he came out and straight away complained about emmy martinez and all our villa players didn't like what they were doing before the penalty and within 20 seconds oh no it didn't put bruno off Bruno's a brilliant player who's experienced. He scored a lot of penalties. He can't even make that connection that he's just immediately undone what his first complaint was. He's that stupid. Yeah, he is. And you're right. If you put all these, everybody that's involved with Man United behind the curtain with a, with a voice changer and then asked him to talk about football for five minutes <laughs> and then at the end said, which one do you think that was the manager? And you did a survey of 100 people. I guarantee Solskjaer would be there with the kit man, maybe and maybe somebody who works in the canteen. He's not going to be there with any of the players. And if he was the fifth man in a coaching team, he might be useful in telling someone how to shift the ball out of their feet and then have a shot quickly. But Jesus Christ, he can't be the manager of what is purportedly the biggest club in the world. Yeah. It's such a big opportunity there to really rubber stamp that again now with Real Madrid and Barcelona being in the shits. Um, second, questions we can't answer. How are we supposed to feel about Nagelsmann skateboarding to Bayern training? Because <laughs> I actually don't know. I'm a wee bit confused. Like, should I be annoyed? Should I be angry? Should I be giving out about kids today? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't like it, but then I think about it a bit more. And I'm like, why don't I like it? I can't really put my finger on it. Is he not only 14? Does that, does that not explain it? <laughs> The, the narrative and the shock around Nagelsmann's youth is baffling, to say the least, I think. I mean, the shock of someone so young being successful, getting a manager's job at the age of 29. Wow. I can see the headline. 29-year-old man who has spent the previous eight years building a portfolio of work, expertise, contacts and connections to allow him to be a manager is appointed a manager. <laughs> and like football managers are only generally older because they're in a different career for the first 17 years of their working life. Like it's actually more extraordinary that someone like Frank Lampard is given a broadly similar job at Derby with absolutely no experience as Nigel's man was given at Hoffenheim. Yeah. I mean, ha- having been a footballer helps, but only because it makes your life easier. Like it helps your understanding of dressing room dynamic- dynamics. And for some reason, and incorrectly, it helps with your credibility. Like, it's not a prerequisite to being a coach. Like, Michael Owen didn't learn anything as a player. <laughs> he, he knew he had to go when the defender's weight had shifted or, or when the defender had wandered a yard too far to the left. Do you think he knows how and why that happened? Nah, like, yeah. Do you think Gabby Agbonlahor knows how space and channels were created for him? <laughs> Like knowing how to exploit them is great, but knowing how to create them isn't is entirely different. So you're saying you would rather Nigel's man over own? <laughs> oh yeah, de- definitely. We'll put yeah. a shadow over that. The skateboard, like, like the skateboard thing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, again, want to complain, but I don't want to sound like a, a big stiff complaining about somebody just, you know, going about a commute, whatever way they want to, and then. 
like there, there's there two things this week uh, about Nagelsmann. One of them was he was saying that uh, he was he was making the comparison with the NFL, saying that you know, well, like the quarterback is, you know, they do have an earpiece that they can hear what the coaches are saying, and football needs to stop hiding behind traditions. What he said, and I just thought, shut up! Like, what are you talking about? Like in in NFL, every play is lasting from what three to ten seconds. There's there's a start point and an end point to every single attack. Like it makes sense that you'd be calling specific plays based on what's happened to a quarterback. You can, what are you going to do? Like mic up Harry Maguire and, <laughs> and chat to him as the game is like that's the last thing he needs. Like you know, like in that point of view, I thought like that was somebody showing his youth. I thought okay, Nagels man, like you know you're doing a good job. Don't get carried away with yourself. Let's just win a couple of trophies with Bayern and then you can start talking that shit. But but then. I saw a clip, I think it was Bayern as well, that released this, so as well as his skateboard, he did release another one that, that made me feel better about him, where he was, you know, sort of over the corner flag, but about 10 metres behind the corner flag, and he drop kicks a ball the outside of his foot, outside of his left foot, into the net, you know, goes around the net, and into it, and I thought, hmm, okay, that's good, and then, like, you're talking about, you don't need to be a footballer, it's not a prerequisite to be a manager, but I do think something like that. Even for me, just like yeah, like yeah, I can see this boy commanding a bit of respect in the training grounds, like Zidane. Ah, yeah, like, like it's it's not exactly like Nagelsmann isn't exactly Jose Mourinho. You know, it's like he he was a player and had a really unfortunate series of injuries by all accounts. Yeah, and he's able to then you know present himself as someone who's been in the dressing room, which is which is obviously important as well. The idea of of giving earpieces to professional footballers i mean christ almighty the last thing you want for them to be doing is to be thinking too heavily when they're on the pitch like <laughs> like some players will pick up things from listening to their coaches and their managers but you'll pick up way more if whenever you're listening to coaches and managers and you're not focused on your own performance your own piece and that larger pattern that's being drilled into the team you're so concentrated in that you're, you're filled with adrenaline of having to perform in front of 40,000 emotional arseholes. I mean, if you're, say, like another coach or an assistant manager or whatever it happens to be, whatever Nagelsmann was during his early stages, you'll pick up the skills of a manager by doing that job, by trying those things at all levels in the game, devising systems, even how to speak to people, motivational techniques. You learn a lot more from implementing those things. If you're a 27-year-old player on the pitch, you're not going to learn anything more from a manager screaming into your ear telling you what to do while Mason Greenwood is running at you at full speed. <laughs> tackle him, tackle, tackle him. him. <laughs> uh, um, next one. Who, whose idea was it to have two games at 12.30? Like, Man United and Villa clashing with Chelsea and Man City. It's, it's madness. I mean, do the TV world want Friday Night Football to be a thing or not? <laughs> stick the oil classico on at half seven i mean they, they both have champions league coming up city's front five played against wickham wanders on tuesday and james and canty were the only players from chelsea's first 11 that played against our second team on wednesday yeah. they're grand stick the game on on friday give us the weekend festival of football that we want give give bet 365 their advertising space like, how am I supposed to know what the halftime odds are of Lukaku winning a throw-in are if, if you're sticking the Chelsea game on at the same time as the Villa game? <laughs> Aston Villa versus Manchester United game was brought forward to 12.30 because the court 
we're playing in Manchester. Has has Manchester never had two things on at the same time at once? It's it's not fucking Enniscorthy in Wexford, in Ireland. <laughs> I think all this, because there's been games where United and City are playing at the same time, I think all this proves is that more people obviously go to the Cortinas than they would go to the Etihad. <laughs> so now it's suddenly a problem. Um, last one. Oh, God. I forgot this was here. Um, why is Nakamba hitting a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> probably out of date now but uh yeah <laughs> it's like, this isn't important anymore after today's result but still it, no, it is it is important i mean it's such a daft decision that it should be interrogated i mean this is a player who completed a 40 yard pass last week such <laughs> a rare event that it featured prominently on our one hour podcast <laughs> like villa had twanzebi on the pitch they had carney on the pitch they're both much less likely to miss. And Twanzebe put a sudden death penalty into the top corner in Europe's second-tier cup competition. Why yeah. is Nakamba hitting a penalty? Twanzebe can handle the pressure of scoring in a third-round Carabao Cup. It's it's funny because when El Ghazi stepped up, first penalty, like all the Chelsea fans behind, you know, putting him off, giving him the finger, telling him he's a wanker. I've, <laughs> I've never been more sure in all my life. Yet again. Like that, this was going in the top corner. Like there, there really has to be a new word or a, a meaning to the name El Ghazi because like there's there's absolute certainty, and then there's El Ghazi. Uh, <laughs> you know when when he's standing over a penalty, it only exists in that realm when he has a penalty. There's no, there's nothing else as certain in the world as El Ghazi hitting a penalty. And I think we all probably had the exact same feeling and the exact opposite feeling when the Kamba came up for the third one, where it was like, well. He's absolutely not going to score. Like that's the reverse of El Ghazi, and uh, yeah, he, he missed like he did. You know, had a decent game. Villa played really well against Chelsea. Should have won in normal time. Um, but yeah, bringing the cab up for the third penalty wasn't going to help. But I, th- I thought maybe maybe Smith, his thinking was don't want Archer to hit one, don't want uh, Philogene Bidacy to hit one, and don't want Chuck Wemmicka to hit one. If we can get away with it, they're young lads hostile crowd we're shooting into their end let's forget that um let's let's just not put them under that pressure um but when it's nakamba maybe maybe rethink that <laughs> like there's no pressure for a, a a young lad going up to hit a penalty they fucking love it like th- yeah. those three players have shown that they've got enough mental fortitude to hit a penalty get them up there let that being crowd boo them and let them slam it back down their throats don't send nakamba up like you see, this is the thing you're saying. Maybe he didn't want them. He didn't think that they could do it. Well, he knew Nakamba couldn't do it. <laughs> Dean Dean Smith has form in this as well. Should he let Albero Doma hit one in a playoff semi final? That's twice now. <laughs> Dean, Dean needs to watch himself. Devising all these systems of play to batter Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United teams is, is one thing. Well, let Nakamba had a penalty. Do you remember I used to last season when when times got bad? I was accusing him. I was accusing having Jack Grealish making Dean Smith a worse coach because you know just like just give everything to Jack Grealish. He's he's gotten too comfortable with having one of the league's best players. Having El Ghazi is making his penalty decision takers <laughs> penalty taker decisions 
uh, worse because he doesn't have to worry about it. It's just like, well, Yazi will hit one. <laughs> maybe if we get rid of Yazi, he'll start thinking about it a bit more. The way you now Villa are much better coached with a much better squad, in fairness. Fingers crossed, Connor. Uh, anyway, I, I can't believe we've ended up complaining um, after we've beaten United <laughs> away from home. Um, but true to form, I suppose. Uh, actually, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I had Kanzi going up in the Weinman meter, but him hitting that penalty against Chelsea was one of the best events that I've seen. So this is three games in a row now against Everton. The Bailey corner went in. And I don't know if anybody saw it, but Kanzi just turns to, I think it's Damari Gray. <laughs> They're both on the line, and he turned and just starts screaming in his face because Villa have gone two 0 up. So, you know, one of those ones when it's your player, you think, "What? What a boss!" And then the way he stood over that penalty, he actually, I counted it. Then it was over eight seconds that he stood there after the whistle had gone. Like that's a long time of not doing anything, and he just <laughs> sat and let the crowd boo, and he had this sort of unbothered face on him. Stuck a top ins and then just continued staring at the crowd. Like he didn't he didn't shag the crowd like Emmy Martinez might have done. He wasn't there. Um and and then t- today against United, there was one moment that he he was coming through the middle, the ball was sort of bouncing up and he chipped it over someone's head, got it at the other side, chipped it over the next tackle, got it at the other side, and then he, he tried to play it forward, he got headed back, and it was him and uh, maybe McTominay. And Conda just pushes him right in front of Mike Dean, heads it out to the left. And it, I don't know what it was, but the way he did it, it was so Conza. It was like it, it was like Dean was never going to give the free because it was just it's just like this is the aura that the Conza <laughs> you know exudes. He just like, yeah, like you know, get out of my way, and everybody just buys into it. So it was an obvious push, but it was a push with with character, you know, with, with just pure coolness. Like he he commanded more space. And Mike Dean believes that he deserved it. And there you go, Conan. You have your happy ending. <laughs> um, only thing left to say is that we actually do have a discount code on Luke1977.com if anybody wants to get get in on it. There's um, some nice gear there. So Vimin is the code for any non-Villa listeners. <laughs> that's, that's Andreas Vimin, who used to play of Aston Villa. Go Google him if you want to get the exact spelling of it. Um, and yeah thanks for listening and please subscribe if you do get a chance or share on the podcast that would be even better thanks a million a good day and we will chat the next week all the best hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.